I don't want to say like in being intuitive is important. Like you want to plan, you want to have a business plan, but every time I've not listened to my gut when it comes to my own business and like when I've ignored like needing to make a, a change because I was scared or something, it's always like bit me in the butt. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ecom Growth Show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ecom Growth Show. Today I'm super excited because we have with us Stacy Bloomfield. And uh, once upon a time, Stacy couldn't find artwork for her daughter's nursery. So she decided to take matters into her own hand. She felt like she was kept being drawn <laughs> to the irresistible essence of animals, their furry faces, their perky ears, their plethora of colors and textures. And uh, animals simply have a way of being adventurous and fun visually, so figuratively and literally. So at Gingerbur, they believe uh, life should be that way too. So she has a, a company where she's selling her illustrations and it's been a successful journey for her. So we're really excited to dive in and kind of see what we can learn from her today. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and hearing you read that. I need to, we're building a new website and that's part of it. We're updating our copy. So I'm hearing you read You're that like, like our oh, about. No. Like, oh no. We thought we'd surprise you with reading that off for you. So you it's perfect. What, you know, what's funny about that is the exact same thing happened to us the other day. We were a guest on somebody else's podcast and they were reading like this old website copy. I was like, Oh, uh, that's not really right. That's yeah, not. that was funny. <laughs> so, so we just had to pay it that's forward, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that it's not right anymore. It's just we've we've expanded a lot since then. And so, yes, we still do have so much animal artwork in the products that we make, but we we've expanded to other subject matter like um, you know, female empowerment mm. and encouraging work and um even just the use of a lot of florals and more repeats as opposed to just cute animals but we can talk all about that so whatever yeah perfect well why don't we just why don't we just start there kind of with the, the whole story maybe just tell us a little bit about you your your personal life and why you do what you do well thanks so much and what you read is true in the sense that I got my start starting an online business because my husband was a graduate student and we had our first child and we literally could not afford to decorate her nursery And so I drew my own artwork for it and put it on her walls. And Etsy was very new at the time. Uh, We don't sell on Etsy anymore, but for many years in the beginning, it was kind of how I found my audience, found my footing, and it really launched me in a way. But uh, my husband encouraged me to put artwork on Etsy. And in order to do that, I needed a way to actually like reproduce my art. So we invested in a scanner and an archival printer. And we literally cashed in like a savings bond that my husband had had since he was a little boy to be able to afford Dang. this archival printer. Wow, you know, like cool. what, it was everything for us. Yeah. What is an archival printer, if I may ask? <laughs> oh, no, totally. It just makes it so like let's say you're buying artwork and you'll you'll see some artwork that like is really thin and cheap and it's produced like on a glossy paper. That's like a, a poster, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say you want to buy something a little higher quality where the color's not going to fade, even though it's like under glass. Sometimes you'll mm. get art if it's cheap, if it's printed on like a real quick laser printer, that, that color is not going to last. And I was wanting to make artwork that would last better. So mm. I researched it and I found Epson made these really great archival printers, meaning not only is the paper, uh, you know, acid proof and color looks beautiful on it, but like that color won't fade for like a hundred years, wow. you know, if you, if you take care of it. 
Yeah. And, and for producing art prints at the time, you know, we're talking like 12 years ago, art prints were like a hot commodity. People could afford art prints, even if they were $20 each, you could change out your artwork and it was affordable. Whereas original art was just like out of reach for so many people, myself included. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want art prints that I can put in my daughter's room. And at the time I was just annoyed with the artwork that I was seeing. I couldn't afford it or it was like too sweet and cutesy. And I wanted to make artwork that I could look at in my kid's room and they could grow with it. Mm. And I wouldn't like just be sick of it, you know? So I started drawing animals and I started playing with the animals, uh, their fur, like adding texture to it and using it as like a blank canvas for exploring shape and color. And Honestly, for two years, I just put stuff on Etsy and I put everything on Etsy. I was hand making pillows. I was decorating onesies. I mean, I was throwing everything at the wall to see what would stick. And eventually some blogs started picking up my nursery decor and started just featuring them. And, you know, that led to sales and blogging was different than than it is now. And, you know, at the time, if you got featured on a blog, like it was sales. And I remember I would all of a sudden start seeing all these orders come in and I would know, oh, a blog picked me up and featured me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I kind of got an inkling after about three years that like I had something happening. So I quit my day job and decided to focus on Gingerbur full time. That's the name of my company. I don't think we ever said that. Gingerbur. And uh, at that time, I was having my second kiddo and I realized that like nursery art was like the the place I had accidentally pigeonholed myself into, like only doing kids stuff, only doing nursery stuff. And I ran with it for a while, um, loved it. But then eventually I got tired of only doing animals and nursery art. And my I was done having kids and my kids were getting older. And I was just like, how many more animals can I draw? Like I've literally drawn every possible animal I can think of. And so, um, you know, for about five years of my business, we focused on nursery art. And then we started transitioning to other things like stationery and greeting cards. And I started like doing licensing projects with other big brands like Crate and Barrel and Moda Fabrics and West Elm and found licensing to be a revenue stream where I could take that artwork I had made and then someone else would pay me to put it on their products, which was really great. Um, Fell into wholesaling because people would reach out to me online and say, I like your artwork. Do you, can we put it in our put your products in our store. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And I had no idea what mm-hmm. wholesale was, but I would just figured it out as I went. So started out as a nursery decor company, accidentally built a wholesale and licensing branch of my business really accidentally. <laughs> and um, it wasn't, like I said, until about five years into it that I was like, you know, I really need to, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants for everything. I was still reliant on Etsy, which, you know, Etsy's changed a lot over the years. And um I kind of put all my eggs in that Etsy basket. Mm, And then if I had wholesale money come in or licensing, I was like, that's cool. But then Etsy changed. They went public Mm. and their algorithm changed at the same time. Blogging was changing. It was an industry where bloggers, you know, were needing to monetize their work, which makes sense. But all of a sudden, all of my free traffic that was coming in and free publicity was gone. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And I I felt it. I felt the sales you know, changing. So all that is to say is about year five, I decided to take my business a bit more seriously, put together a business plan, invest in, you know, made a lot of mistakes, tried to invest in like a PR firm to help me figure out advertising and just figure out who the heck my audience was whenever they weren't finding me on Etsy. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So on Etsy, this is, I, I haven't used Etsy much, but on Etsy, do you own any of the customer data, like emails or anything like that? Like, so you can't, you can't resell to them or anything. So it's like a one-time sale and then you hope they come back and 
uh, buy more stuff from me, but you can't necessarily remarket to them. And that was my biggest mistake, honestly. You know, I've heard for years that you need to build a newsletter. And frankly, I didn't have, I had a MailChimp account, but I was doing nothing with it. And you're right. I had like 20,000 customers who had purchased for me on Etsy and I could not retarget them. I could not contact them directly. It was against the terms of service. So what was I supposed to do? Like yeah. I, I had no way to get that customer base to follow me wherever I was going. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge like struggle whenever I was realizing like, oh my gosh, like how am I going to get in front of my ideal customer now? So, so how did you make that transition? Cause that sounds like basically when, when Etsy went public and it, it sounds like you felt like you were a little bit limited in your ability to continue generating traffic and sales, but obviously you're still here today. You have a, you know, a, a full staff of wonderful people and like this wonderful business. How did you make that transition? Well, and I want to I want to say this first. Etsy is still a great marketplace for a lot of people. I feel like depending on when you joined, you know, you kind of cut your teeth at a different place whenever mm-hmm. like I was doing Etsy, it was one thing I was used to. And I think a lot of people can still have thriving businesses on there. And I encourage a lot of people, especially in the creative world who are first starting out, you can start out on Etsy and kind of figure out a lot of things along the way. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I don't want to like disparage Etsy. I, it it was really <laughs> great for me for a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They featured me as like a featured seller the first year that I quit my job and I made more in two days as a featured seller for them than I had the previous like three years combined, you know, so it does have, it does have a lot of power to it, but you know, I felt that, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I don't want to say like in being intuitive is important. Like you want to plan, you want to have a business plan, but every time I've not listened to my gut when it comes to my own business and like when I've ignored like needing to make a a change because I was scared or something, it's always like bit me in the butt. So I, (laughs) yeah, so I just was, um, I, I felt it as Etsy was shifting that like we needed to do a more like focused effort on building our own website, getting the traffic to go directly to our website. If I'm going to spend money on marketing, I want to spend it to get people to gingerbread.com. And we needed to have a more focused plan of attack for how we were going to grow wholesale because wholesale just meant we were moving so many more units of product at once. Mm -hmm. And so I'll never forget. My sister actually works for me. She's four years older than me, but she's been working for me for years. And we like, uh, had our husbands watch our kids and we rented a, a hotel and we had like a powwow for a whole weekend. And we're like, we've got to figure out everything this weekend. We're mm-hmm. going to figure out a website, inventory management system, invoicing, everything you could think of, the things you don't have to think about whenever you're kind of casually running a, an Etsy shop, you know? Yeah. And uh, we, we realized that we needed to heavily invest in a good website build and figure out some kind of marketing strategy. And my first mistake I'll say was... Um, I had a lot of colleagues who were using PR firms in order to get in front of people. Mm. And because they were using them, I'm like, I need to use a PR firm. But the truth is we weren't there yet as a business. You know, we were still building all these things and yeah. had all these moving parts, but our brand wasn't solid yet. So I hired an expensive PR firm. They were great at what they did, but my brand wasn't ready for it. Do you know what I mean? So like totally. putting like $14,000 into an investment with a six month PR plan just felt like flushing money down the toilet, frankly, because uh, it was a very much like I see someone else doing it. So I'm going to do it rather than actually analyzing what would work for my business. Mm -hmm. So a lot of money throwing at things to see if it would work rather than 
actually looking at what the strengths of my business were. So when I realized that a lot of people liked my artwork who didn't have kids and my whole audience were like women primarily, mm-hmm. um, I started making artwork that I wanted to see because I was honestly my ideal demographic. Uh, I was a you know late 20s woman who was done having kids and was trying to kind of reclaim my creative voice. Mm-hmm. So I just started making more products that were focused on the message of like encouragement and empowerment and focused on um, building my newsletter by like doing like freebies, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, lead magnets, things where people could come join my newsletter and they would be able to download this art print that they could put on their wall or a downloadable card. And at first it was just like anything I could think of that was a free thing that I could offer to get people on my list. I was trying, it was a little bit all over the place and it's gotten a lot more refined since then. Um, But that's how we began to build our newsletter And then um, social media for us, we have a really engaged and growing social media following, but you can have all the social media followers in the world, but if they're not buying customers, (laughs) like, you know, like, what are you going to do? So we started investing in like actual advertising with Facebook and Instagram ads and Google marketing ads. And that's when we really saw a ton of growth in our business. And I think for a lot of creative entrepreneurs, you tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it can be very intimidating if you've never done that type of advertising at that level. Mm-hmm. I avoided it for years because I was advised to, you know, you really need to do like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in ad spend in mm-hmm. order to, you know, get these, you know, four times the return. But to me, spending that money for years, I felt like I couldn't justify it. But now that we actually made the investment and in spending the money, <laughs> like, and we see the return, um, I wish we'd done it sooner frankly, mm-hmm. because we've just been able to retarget everybody we need to retarget and find um, our ideal audience better that way. So whether you love Facebook or not, like, you know, I don't, it, it's been very helpful for us. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Almost like a, a necessary evil for <laughs> necessary <laughs> evil. <laughs> no. Everyone I, should... I know feels that way. Like you, uh, it's like, you don't want to have to rely on one entity for like, you know, getting in front of the right people, which is why wanting to get all those people on your newsletter is super duper important. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like we got to do it right now. So, right. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's just a tool for you to empower and encourage more people. So, I mean, if you can put it in the right lens, it's, I think it's a good thing. And and you're doing really cool stuff with your artwork and, you know, even the message that it carries, if you can get that into more people's hands and, you know, you grow your business at the same time, it seems like a good, good idea. (laughs) Uh, that's always been, um, I guess, like more of a intellectual struggle that I've had because, you know, I, I love having a business and I love making money. But at the same time, like if I'm going to create something, you either want it to be really useful, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like a product that like people can put in their use day to day. And for me, for a long time, I was just making decorative artwork. And mm-hmm. yeah, you can decorate with an art print. But um once that kid grows up and doesn't need that art anymore, how are you going to get that customer to keep buying from you? You mm-hmm. know, like it's a constant like churning of having to find new customers. Mm-hmm. So when we started creating products that kind of serve to bring daily encouragement and can be more lasting and to try to empower creatives, uh, whether you're creative or not, like you can come to my shop, Gingerbur, and you're probably going to find some artwork, some item that you connect with, uh, with the message. And that's whenever we really feel like we're making a connection with our customers mm-hmm. and then they like us, they know us and they trust us because of that. So that's awesome. 
And so how much of, and you don't got to get, you can get as specific or non-specific as you want to, but you have retail going on, direct-to-consumer stuff. You also have some wholesale, and then you also have licensing deals. Um, those are all three very different things. What, you know, when you look at the overall makeup of your business, how much of that is retail, wholesale, and, and licensing? Absolutely. So here's how I, first of all, I get this question a lot, and I actually educate creatives now on how to run creative businesses. That's another revenue stream that I have for my business, and it's a really strong and growing part of it. But we get this question a lot, like, well, I have one income stream, and then I want to create more income streams to create stability for my business, but I can't do all things really, really well Mm -hmm. all by myself. And for me, I always look at my artwork first, and I think, how many ways can I, like, turn this into a profitable piece of art. Mm-hmm. So obviously sell online, put it on multiple products. You know, we'll have like a moth illustration. We can put it on a card, a tea towel. We can put it on fabric. We can do an art print. I mean, how many different ways can I use this artwork in order to make money? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then w- when you're already doing retail, it's really easy to get into wholesale because you are needing, the more you purchase unit wise, obviously your cost per piece goes down. Mm-hmm. So Really, for us, it, those two things work really well together. Um, but then with licensing, we just I use the same strategy. I still create all the artwork. Um, I do all the creative. And so um, I'm targeting people that I want to work with where I can reuse that artwork I've already made. So the beauty of licensing is that you can use that piece of artwork over and over again, depending on which company you're licensing to and mm-hmm. what industry they're in. So I have one illustration that's like a sheep illustration and I have licensed it to like eight or nine different people, uh, different companies at different times. So it's creating recurring revenue from that artwork and I can still sell that artwork on my own products, wholesale and direct customer. So I think you have to have a strategy going into it to know like how it would work for your business. So if I was retailing something completely different than what I was trying to create artwork for with licensing, I feel like it it wouldn't flow together. So mm-hmm. I'm really strategic in the artwork I make and making sure that it has multiple uses. Yeah. Uh, does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, it totally does. That's super awesome. And one thing I'm really oh. learning to appreciate about you is, you know, you definitely have what it takes to be an artist, a creative person to actually come up with art that connects with people in uh even in an emotional way, you know, like that's what art is all about. There's a, a certain beauty in it and a certain intangibility. And so people who can produce that and in, in a way that connects with people, it's a very special thing. What I've found is a lot of those people don't really know how to run a business at the same time. And so what's really cool about you is you have both. And yeah. even so much so that you um, you teach other creative people how to take their art and turn it into a business. So. I, that's just really, really special and, and unique, rare, I guess. Thank you. I mean, I'll say this. We, we're a seven-figure company now, which is pretty exciting. So yeah. with all those revenues together, which, you know, that's like the pie in the sky number. For, and for years, I was just like, what What would that even look like to be able to bring in seven figures in revenue? Yeah. And, um, you know, it took, it's taken me 12 years of trying a lot of things. And here's the thing. I don't think that should be the, like, the number is not the goal, right? Like. Yeah. It's just like a nice milestone. But what I have found is we've been able to create this business with these multiple revenue streams where each one is pulling their weight in the business. So, you know, there have been times, you know, when wholesale, like wholesale struggled last year because of, you know, everything that happened with the pandemic. You know, we had all these wholesale orders come in. So we're in 800 retail stores, but we had this 
thing happened where, you know, people were canceling all their wholesale orders because retail was having to close to the public. And if I hadn't had other revenue streams to be able to support my business, I would have had to let people go Mm -hmm. in my team probably just to keep my head above water. And I have colleagues who had to do that. And so, you know, I've always, I use this term, slow growth is good growth. And Mm -hmm. it's something I've told myself for years, both to comfort myself whenever it's not going as fast as I want it to, (laughs) but also to remind myself that slow and steady growth means that you can grow at a pace that you're not all of a sudden, like don't have enough hands uh, to help you ship or don't have enough employees or all of a sudden, like, you know, where are you going to store everything? I've had colleagues who get like a huge purchase order. And then by the time they've brought all these people on board to help assemble and ship everything, their profit is like, where did it all go? I just had to spend it on like a facility and all these things. So that. I, we've always just been, I guess I'm going to say lucky in the sense that our growth has been slow and steady. Mm-hmm. And I think you asked me like what our revenue stream breakdown is. And I don't have the exact numbers, but last year education was um, brand new. I launched the education part of my business last year. And so 50% of my revenue came from education alone, which was really exciting. Wow, that's and then, huge. uh, <laughs> yeah. And 25% was wholesale and the remaining 25 was direct customer sales in combination with licensing. And some years licensing is a lot higher. I don't know if, if you licensing, it's like you usually get paid on the back end. So mm-hmm. like I could have licensing contracts that I signed in 2020, but I won't get paid for a lot of them until like 2022 or the end of 2021 wow. when those products actually hit shelves. So um, that's another reason having multiple revenue streams is important. Like mm-hmm. um, I can be counting on like a really nice payday from like a fabric line I've licensed, but I'm not, I'm not going to get paid for that for a long time. So it's nice to not have to always be waiting on the money to come in. So. Yeah, that's super nice. It must be super fulfilling too, to have that revenue stream where you're teaching other people to do what you've done. I mean, it's awesome building out a business, but then to teach other people to kind of take those steps and start seeing that success transfer into other people, that must feel awesome. Well, it feels like the mo- it feels like all roads kind of led to this because I'm 12 years into having started a business literally from my dining room table, doing nursery art, literally, like I said, having to cash in like a savings bond to be able to afford equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to really slowly with so many mistakes, so many trials, so many like just things that I wish had gone differently and embarrassing things that I've done as a business owner <laughs> to to know that all those things that I've gone through are things that I can use to teach other people. Yeah. Like it really helps and it helps other creative, creative entrepreneurs specifically or who I'm talking to, to be seen. Cause I think a lot of times when you're studying like business and business growth, you're hearing from people who like launched Patagonia or you're hearing from mm-hmm. people who launched like Warby Parker and as great as those, and those, those are their glasses. So I can do that. But um, as great as those stories are like, not everybody, most people who start businesses uh, it, where I'm at, like, that's not where they're going to end up. You know, like yeah. majority of people who are starting a creative business are just wanting to cr- have a little bit of flexibility with their schedule and their life. And um, to be able to use something they really enjoy, like art to, you know, improve their lives and improve other people's lives. So not everybody's looking to build a multi-million dollar company, you know, which is what I think I'd like to do, but not everyone wants that. Some people mm-hmm. just want to be able to pay their bills and um, not be tied down to an office job. And yeah. that's where I was at for so many years too. So I think it's good to be able to have that as a part of my story. I'm thankful that's part of my story because I think that's where a lot of people in the creative industry 
actually exist. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So my, my whole goal is to save them time, save mm. them time, years and years. It took me 12 years of trial and error to learn what I have. So mm. I can take all this information that I've learned and try to consolidate it in a way to save them years of mistakes and heartache and mm. encourage them. Yeah. So. And so you've put this all into like a, an eight week program for people. It's called uh, leverage your art. Where can people go to find more information or potentially even partake in that? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Leverageyourart.com. You can go there. Uh, That's the website. We're we're rolling out a new education website that should be live um, in just a few weeks. So by the time this episode airs, I think it'll probably be live. So it's leverageyourart.com. And we open for enrollment for that eight-week program um, the second week of June. So it's an eight-week, very intense program to take creatives and people who aspire to have creative businesses and to teach them how to create a multiple revenue stream business so that they can have stability and they could use their talents in order to like really create freedom in their lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, I taught, let's see, I opened that course last year and 500 people enrolled and it was incredible. And then we started a monthly membership to create like, like supplemental support. So you can also join a lower price point membership where you're not going to get as in-depth content as you do in the course, but you get like community and you get support as you continue to build these revenue streams. And I got to tell you, it's just been last year, 2020, like for so many other business owners was incredibly scary. And I found myself after like the January trade shows, we had done that circuit. We had done all these wholesale shows. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, people were canceling their orders left and right whenever everything was so crazy with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do right now? Like in order to, to use what I have right in front of me to create revenue, to create Mm -hmm. income. So we did a bunch of different things. Uh, We created a pen pal program for our existing customers because we're sitting on all these cards we'd purchased and our purchase orders have been canceled. I'm like, how are we going to move through these cards? So we matched up our customers as pen pals and they paid a small fee and we provided them with a pen pal kit and we wow. were hand we were teaching workshops out of our studio. And we're sitting on all these supplies, so we put together embroidery kits, and those did so well, guys. Literally today, I just received three pallets, forty thousand dollars worth of embroidery kits are sitting behind me. Um. They just arrived from a manufacturer because we went from hand assembling them to realize we had like something to offer with this product idea, and so we just ran with it. And so we we've been hand assembling for, since last March thousands and thousands and thousands of kits. So we just got them actually manufactured. And so we're going to do a big launch with that. But that's something that was born out of like this necessity, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with what's sitting in front of me? And then the last biggie, which is the most, I guess, profitable, but also the most fulfilling was the education part of it. Because for years, I'd wanted to launch a course and I always had excuses for not doing it. But when you're put into like a pressure cooker of like, it's now or never, Mm. it really lit a fire under me to make it happen. And I went from having no curriculum to writing curriculum and filming this course myself. I literally used an iPad, guys. I had my iPad Mm. with a cracked screen propped up and a little lapel mic that was plugged into my phone. And I, I just ran with it. And the, the beauty of having been in the industry, in the illustration industry for 12 years is that a lot of people have been following my journey mm-hmm. for a long time. That's awesome. There's a personal connection. Well, yeah, you have this personal connection when, you, when you're a small business and especially with the way that we use social media for our business, you know, there's the business gingerbread and then there's Stacy who runs the business 
And so often people are looking for like connection or for something that they can recognize in you that they see in themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been genuinely sharing about the growth of my business for years and years and years, even when it was really messy and my photos were horrible and mm-hmm. nothing was perfect, you know? So then when I launched this course, Um, I already had this audience. I had a newsletter because I'd been working on the newsletter. I had an audience right in front of me. We use social media to share about it. And the truth is, is that the success stories that have come out of my last year's students who went through the course, it's just, it's mind blowing what people have been able to do with their creative businesses since then. I just can't even believe it. And that's what it's all about. It's just being able to empower and to encourage people. I just love it. Anyway. That's so awesome. And I love how passionate you're getting about it. And it's so cool how that kind of all birthed out of COVID. A lot of people when that happened, they're like, oh, man, I'm screwed. A lot of people just gave up instead of saying what you said, like, how can I use this like as an opportunity to grow my business? And you got super creative. You put your head down and you came up with all these ideas that became their own revenue streams that ended up exploding your business. So Huge props to you. You said it super casually, but you have such a great mindset on how to view uh, external circumstances and what to do in that Mm -hmm. process to actually help you out in your journey. So I just wanted to take a moment there. That's super powerful. Well, thank you. I, I just have to tell you that you said something earlier and it's true. A lot of creatives are really good at creating beautiful arts or creating fun products. But when it comes to running a business, there's not a lot of coaching specifically on running a solid creative business. And that's something that I really aim to help people with. You know, you can have the best idea on earth, but if you don't have a plan on how to like track your finances and figure out your inventory situation and how to like build relationships within the industry, whether it's with retailers or potential licensing partners or even your own customer base, like, you're going to feel like you're constantly spinning your wheels. And that's how I felt for years. And I, I can't not mention um, something that really helped me. Um, the Small Business Association years ago ran this um, accelerator program um, where for maybe it was like four months, they invited um, entrepreneurs of any industry to apply for this free program. And they would, the idea was that you got an MBA in like that four wind, four month window of time because it was a really concentrated accelerator program. So um, that whenever I mentioned like year five is whenever a bunch of changes happened in my business, there was a point when I even contemplated stopping doing what I was doing because I didn't have a lot of clarity on how to run my business and how to grow it. But on a whim, I don't know how this person found me, but someone who ran the program emailed me and was like, would love you to apply for this accelerator program. And like a lot of people, social media made me look a lot more successful than I really was because you can hide a lot of things with social media. You can make it look shiny and glossy, even if behind the scenes financially things are just really messed up or you're disorganized. Mm -hmm. And I almost didn't apply to that accelerator program because I was feeling insecure. I didn't want people to see how messy it was behind the scenes. And I, they said, bring a business plan. And I didn't have a business plan. And I went to a meeting and they let me be a part of it. So for that four month window of time, I was able to meet with, you know, other people in the industry or not the industry, but just small business owners, I guess you could say in my region, Northwest Arkansas, and just learn so much about the foundations of running a solid business. And some of it was applicable to me. Some of it wasn't, but it just really um, illuminated to me what I did not learn in college when I was studying art Mm -hmm. and what no one was really talking about whenever you're running an Etsy store, which is like, you have to have like a plan and you have to have like healthy practices in place for growing your business. 
So yeah, yeah, you can be intuitive and jump and try things. And I love leading with that. But like you said, like a lot of people don't stop to think about the business side of things and how to keep it healthy and how to spend your money and how to reinvest it and how to hire, you know, and like, I have this amazing team now of people who help me with all of these things. It's not just a one woman operation. I, I think I have like, I think we have seven employees right now and several subcontractors and people we work with who can do it way better than I can. Cause when you're hiring, you get to a point where it's like anyone I bring in, I want them to do it way better than I ever could on my own. Like I want to bring in people who are just like an asset and that's what my team is made up of. And I'm just so fortunate in that hiring regard. So that's awesome. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for all the things you shared with us today. I feel like there was a ton of like really valuable nuggets that people can just listen to it and, and really pull out um, their own values from, from your story. So that's, that's super, super cool guys. If you enjoyed today, uh, I want you. I want to ask you to review this and share it with a friend, and that way it'll help the word get out more, and we can get more people on like Stacy to share these wonderful stories with you guys. So until next time, guys, um, we'll catch you later. <laughs>